0: Hey, friends. My name is Kyle Devlin, and this is Having a Blast. Having a Blast is a pop-punk punk rock and emo podcast, where we're going to be discussing all things punk rock ethos and personal development and the parallels within. We'll also be doing some deep dives on important albums and bands. I'm going to be talking to band members, producers, and a bunch of my friends, and I want to know what makes these people tick. How has being self-motivated moved them in the direction of their goals? We're going to have a lot of fun finding out. So without further ado, let's get into it. friends. Welcome to the show. I'm extremely excited today because I'm chatting with a friend of mine that I've known for a few years now, Mr. Jason trebue drummer of the Casket Lottery. Jason is a jack of all trades. He's also the tour manager and production manager for the legendary band Garbage. And I actually caught up with him while he was on tour with Garbage. And they just wrapped their US tour opening for Tears for Fears. I met Jason a few years ago while he was home during COVID. We actually started training together together. He was introduced to me by our mutual friend, RL, and we realized that we had a ton of mutual friends in common as we grew up in the KC music scene. I'm a huge fan of the Casket Lottery, and Jason did a killer job on the latest record, Short Songs for End Times. He's an incredibly talented drummer. Jason has run the full gamut of not only playing in several bands, but also working with bands that we all know and love. Motion City Soundtrack, Thrice, Jimmy Eat World, and the goes on and on. I had a blast catching up with Jason. He's such a solid dude. It's always a pleasure hanging out. So without further delay, please enjoy this multifaceted combo with Mr. Jason Trebu. How are you, man?
1: You are. What's up, dude?
0: Good to see you, dude. Yeah,
1: what's
0: going on? Not much, man. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, you sound great. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. The other day I was doing a podcast interview and I didn't realize it, but my mic, the cord was just slightly out mm-hmm. and I was talking to a guy that I'd never spoken to before. He didn't know what I sounded like and it dropped my voice down an octave. <laughs> So luckily, I had a failsafe. I had another mic that was recording, just the computer mic. So I used that instead. But I had to piece it together.
1: You had to do. You had to like match the wave files or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's when it gets really fun editing these podcasts. Yeah, man. Okay, so cool. No low octave, Kyle. That's good. <laughs> I was just scribbling notes here, so I have some sort of cohesive set of questions to ask you. It's good to see you, man. Dude, fuck's been going on. Not much, dude. Just staying busy. I'm renovating my house right now, and that's taking up, I think, the majority yeah. of my time and capacity. So, so. Uh,
1: same joint in Lawrence?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very good. Yeah, living in the same house, and we're getting to a point where the kids are growing up and we're outgrowing the space. Yeah. We just renovated our bathroom, and that was interesting because we had one half bath available that has a shower in it.
1: Yeah, I think I saw you posted something.
0: Yeah. Just- yeah, yeah. It's basically like a four by four box. So that was fun for eight weeks, you know, getting ready in there, but
1: awesome.
0: did you just get home? No, I'm in Atlanta. Oh, cool. Rad. Where uh, you stand? The bell yard. Okay.
1: Yeah. Radical. Yeah. Show Atlanta tomorrow. I'm not home till August 6th.
0: Okay. Yeah. I didn't know what the schedule looked like for you because I wasn't sure when you mentioned flights, I wasn't sure where you were headed, but
1: Yeah, no, I've been flying. The schedule's kind of weird. Man, I don't know. I've been flying a lot since the... I left the 23rd of April from Kansas City, and then we've just done, like, a bunch of flights. I don't love riding the bus for long drives. If it's, like, a day stop where you can't stay overnight in a hotel, I'll just fly. Okay. Like, Phoenix to Denver, I flew. Denver to San Francisco, I flew. There was, like, two other stops that we had that I flew. I'm flying tomorrow. No. Yeah after tomorrow yeah it's just like a whole thing and then like we have bus issues also on top of that so it's been it's just been like i've just been living in a hotel since april it feels fun
0: stuff man but the shows look incredible our mutual friend rl he was out the other night i'm not sure where he was at what show was that we were
1: uh, in san diego
0: okay i thought he was in california because i know he went out there for a little bit but
1: yeah san diego show the san diego show was cool weather was amazing it's
0: a cool venue um
1: I mean, it's as cool as a amphitheater can be, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, for yeah, sure.
1: It's such an easy it's such an easy gig, so it was fun. It was good to see.
0: Him. Cool, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's kind of an unreal tour. You're working for garbage. You're tour managing them at the moment, uh, amongst other things, I'm sure.
1: Production managing garbage. So okay. Yeah, so it's like I go back and forth between that uh, tour managing and production managing. So it's just kind of like whichever gig needs or if it's like yeah we'll pay you to production manage i'm like okay it's like we'll pay you to tour manager okay
0: yeah yeah you were telling me that i think a year ago the last time we hung out that that was kind of the gig and everything how's it been watching tears for fears every night
1: because they sound incredible it's
0: yeah dude
1: i've always been a big fan since i was a kid um so it's cool to see uh i don't know i don't get like that, you know, stoked to see shows. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, And I was slightly excited to see them. Uh, I watched their set a couple of times. Uh, We always leave early, Uh, like we end at 8.30 and then we're gone by like 9.30 or 9.45 every night. Mm -hmm. So we don't really get to see their set because we're just like, we're going to hotels and we're off to the next city. But um, there's been a couple of times I've stuck around like, when I know I'm flying the next day, like, I'll just stay at the venue. Yeah. Watch the set. They sound am- They sound absolutely incredible. Like,
0: Dude, I believe it. I've watched some of the videos and just their television appearances, and they just seem so incredibly tight.
1: It's, it's right. they're a great band behind them, but vocally, they're just, like, you know, as good. I've, I've never seen them before this tour, so, you know, I, I have nothing to compare it to, but um, watching old videos, they sound as good as a ever sounded so and they're both 60 so wow yeah it's impressive to be at the top of your game 40 years later
0: yeah yeah that's awesome
1: Garbage has been around for almost 30 years now and they're you know shirley's sounding as good as she's ever sounded so
0: i believe it man two legendary bands for sure it's cool that tears for fears asked garbage to go out that's a really cool pairing i wouldn't have thought about it initially but when I saw the, I think it was you that posted that Tears for Fears sort of handpicked them and wanted them to go out.
1: Yeah, I think there's a combination of, well, Garbage is kind of reaching the, like, I don't know what the correct term is, like iconic or legendary status. Like, they've yeah. been around long enough that, and their music is is held the test of time so they're getting that they're getting to that point where like one they work a ton and people know that like bands and promoters know that and it's like oh okay 25 years later you're still getting a longer run with even new songs that they're doing and uh like they just put out a record i think it was last i don't think it was 2020 i think it was 2021 early 2021 yeah yeah it's great. There's a lot of really great songs on it. So I think people recognize that I think tears for fear sees that and like, okay, well we just want one band and we need a really good band and you know, who, yeah, we, for sure. yeah, who is a band that we can like relate to also, you know, I think that's part of it because like when you're 60, it, trying to, you know, garbage is really good about bringing out young bands.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Cheryl works really hard at finding like young, talented bands. But I also think she, like, not to speak for her, but I also think she is finding bands that she can like relate to, even like the younger ones. So there's, to me, there's always been like a connection with them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's not just like a random, hey, you know, garbage, we want to just add this band. Like they don't really do anything like that. So like Tears, I think Tears for Fear is going out and picking them, probably had a bit of like, oh, we can relate to them. We have mutual friends. We respect what they do and what they've done. Um, and of course, if I think if you're in garbage, Garbage's position, Tears for Fears, asking you to go on tour, you're just like, holy shit.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, full circle moment, I'm sure, for those guys. They Garbage, I, I think they're admirable, or it's admirable, the fact that they consistently put out records too. I think since 2012, they've put out two or three records since then? I mean, that's pretty consistent. I think a lot of these legendary bands, legendary status bands, sometimes they they sort of stop releasing new music uh, and they just tour.
1: Yeah, there's been three. I think there was a record in 12, a record in 16, and then 21. Um, yeah. I think it was 21, I don't know. You guys can look it up.
0: <laughs> I think so, it was last year, I'm pretty sure.
1: They're playing two, the set's an hour every night and they're playing two new songs. And they kind of like, they kind of like rotate. They, I think it's two new songs.
0: They rotate yeah. when they play them?
1: Yeah. They're ro- well, yeah, it's two new songs, but they're playing three right now. Um, and they just rotate one in and out, you know? So um, the songs are cool.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I dig the new record a lot. To, we're,
1: about, we're about to do some headlining stuff. And I think they're going to play probably some more new songs, which will be cool. So I, I don't think I've, I haven't done, I haven't worked a headline show with them since 2019 it's been three years like early 2019 i think was the last headline show i worked with them so cool yeah everything else has just been like an hour set and they have so many great songs it's just like it's hard to put a set list together if you're only playing an hour
0: yeah yeah when you're one of those bands i'm sure that's something you can spend some time on looking at the sequence of the set and everything and
1: if you if you have three records it gets hard to build a set list if you like
0: it's true man yeah. yeah especially if you're really really wanting to play some new stuff right you know? you're true. gonna feel closest to that
1: yeah you put out like a fifth record and it's like in Casca lottery Nathan and I bicker about that because he wants to play all the new stuff and I want to play all the old stuff
0: <laughs> like, that's rad
1: there's five records and like EPs to choose from so it's like it's, like, it's okay, a lot of material yeah let's go through 60 songs we have to play 10 and, you know, yeah you know, okay, well, we got to play two new ones, you know, and Garbage has got 120 or whatever it is. And, right. You know, it's like, okay, we're only playing 10 tonight, which 120 songs are we, you know?
0: Tough to narrow it down, man.
1: Yeah. So For there's, sure. There's always the songs you have to play, and then there's always the songs you want to play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of the Casket Lottery, they played in Chicago? mm mm-hmm. Two nights ago, is that right?
1: Yeah, Chicago, Michigan... Chicago two nights ago, to Michigan last
0: night, and... They have a show tonight?
1: Yeah, I should know. Okay. I can't, I can't think
0: No of worries. It. You're there in spirit, right? In
1: spirit, yeah.
0: Yeah, and we should mention the listeners. I'm sure I'll, I'll mention it when I promote this podcast. You're also the drummer for the Casket Lottery, who for me is kind of a legendary band as well. You know, just growing up with them this whole time, uh, the, the the tenure I've been listening to local music. Um yeah, that's cool. And you, the shows were with a mutual friend of ours, Jono, from the Swellers and oh, 84 from- Tigers.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jono was one of the first people I had on the podcast.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah.
0: he's rad. He's yeah, cool.
1: I found, uh, I'm glad Jeff got to play the shows, but I was bummed. I couldn't play them I wanted to, to see John. I seen John not seen in a long time. So that
0: would Yeah, and Jeff is filling in for you since you're out on the road.
1: Yep, my buddy Jeff. Yeah, he's awesome. Jeff is Jeff is in Abel Baker Fox with Nathan, and he was in Small Brown Bike, which is a great band. Um,
0: Crazy connection right there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. So, so yeah. it's, a, it's a smooth transition for Jeff to come in and crush it.
0: Yeah, I loved Small Brown Bike. I still listen to them quite a bit, and I love the tunes that 84 Tigers has been putting out. Have you listened to them?
1: I haven't listened to it yet. I keep, I've keep. i been so busy. There's. I have a a Spotify playlist Mm -hmm. um, uh, of just stuff I need to listen to. Like it just keeps growing and growing growing, and
0: growing. (laughs) It's crazy how when you get older, like you really do have to set aside time to listen to music.
1: No, I was just thinking about like what I put in there yesterday. And I can't even think about it. Like I have to go back and look, like when I threw it in the playlist, Um, I was like, Jesus, this is like, it's like,
0: there's so many hours.
1: No, there's like, I don't know. There's like a hundred and something songs in it. And I was like, I'm, when am I going to listen to this?
0: I should
1: should just delete this. It's just like a playlist that says like records to listen to or bands to listen to or something.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I need to do that. I need to just gather stuff that I need to make time to listen to. But you're right. Like it's you kind of ask yourself, okay, when am I gonna do this? I think commuting for me, you know, I'm driving to Kansas City from Lawrence. That's a good opportunity to kind of dive into new music. But I listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts as well. And I feel guilty not listening to certain podcasts, you know, so it's just so much media to consume. And yeah, it gets a little overwhelming for sure. But yeah, they're right up your alley. The 84 Tigers tunes. Awesome. Yeah. They're rad. They're really cool.
1: And Nathan, I think Nathan sent me something or he played me something I can't remember. Um, I half heard it and it was like, you know, it sounded awesome. It's
0: Yeah. It's, it's very like, small brown bike. It sounds like the new casket lottery stuff.
1: Wait, 84 Tigers sounds like casket lottery?
0: Yeah, a little. I hear the parallels. It's a very different band. Like I think their singer is, you know, he's got a different voice than Nathan, but... Classic. I can hear the parallels for sure.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean they've. I mean they they played so many shows before I was in the band, years before I was in the band. It, it, it's it was funny how like you would play all these gigs with people, and you, then you would just kind of influence what you know everyone wrote. Like I used to do that like with Nathan, the original drummer of Cascadary. We would I. I don't know if he ever thought this way but i mean i think he did we've talked about it but we would always influence what the other person was like riding on the drums because we would always get together and talk about drums play drums listen to records and it's like if we weren't stealing from each other we were just stealing from yeah some other drummer that we were both into like oh that's really cool and then we would both go rip it off you know, <laughs> show up on a recording like oh you ripped off
0: the ultimate form of flattery, right? I mean, I think that's what musicians do. What's that quote? Like, the best artists are the ones who hide their sources. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I always think of, like, New Jersey in the early 2000s or the late 90s. All those bands were influencing each other, I think. You know, bands like Thursday just spawned a whole generation of bands. Yeah, and but they, then, were, they were being influenced by bands like Texas is the Reason, Jawbreaker, Sunday Day Real Estate, all those bands. You know, so it all just it morphs and evolves with time but yeah man uh so thanks for doing this with me man it's it's i it's crazy because like i think the last time we trained was i think june of last year or maybe july it
1: was, yeah, it was right before the alana Tour.
0: that's right yeah maybe it was towards the end of the summer how was that by the way it was awesome it's was it was probably unreal right you guys came to kansas city too right
1: yeah we did the t mobile arena
0: the, uh, the cool. arena
1: Yeah, we did like four arenas on that run. Um, The rest were just like amphitheaters, but um, it was cool. Um, The production was great. Like the show looked incredible for both acts. Um, Well, all three, Cat Power was out. Cat Power opened the show. Mm -hmm. And Garbage would be on and then Atlantis, but um, it was really cool. I think we did 36 shows. Um, It was so friggin' hot. <laughs> yeah outdoors most gigs but um it was cool man it was fun we're kind of like we're, we're redo we're meeting back up with her in like a month and then we'll do another month with her so
0: for some european gigs
1: no just canada and, and the northwest
0: stuff okay cool yeah.
1: i think some northeast too i think we got to go to jersey and maybe another new york show so it's like Northeast, Canada, Northwest, and then we come home after that. So Good
0: old Canada. Have you toured Canada before? I'm sure you have. Uh, yeah. 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 That's yeah. Right.
1: It's good. Some of it's cool. Some of it's not so cool.
0: But. Yeah. That's what I hear. We never made it into Canada. We walked into Canada, uh, the transition phase, right by Bagnell Dam on tour once, just to say we, we went to Canada. And that's my only exposure to Canada, so.
1: It just feels like, it feels like America trying to be European.
0: (laughs) That's, that's a really, I think that's a pretty succinct way of putting it actually. I've never been there, so I don't know, but that, that sounds right. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's Canada. It's fine. Yeah. So (laughs) let's go back to the beginning. I mean, we don't have to go over your entire life story, but I think it's always good to give people context, give the listeners context. You were born in 81, right? Yeah. And you true. just had a birthday?
1: Yeah, just had a birthday.
0: Happy belated. It was really nice seeing Shirley's message on social media garbage their message to you. That was really sweet.
1: It was very, very nice. Yeah. Very,
0: yeah. Very, it's always validating when very sweet your friends are yeah. putting it out there like that. I like that a lot. Um. So you were born in 81 and... That means you you grew up in the 80s, like I did. I was born in 84, but I remember the 80s well. And, wh- I mean, what did you – do you remember the first thing that you really, like, gravitated towards? Because you be- you ultimately became a drummer. So did you hear Genesis and that was the end?
1: Yeah, that was part of it. I think – I mean, my first memory is the 85 World Series of the Royal, of, that the Royals were. So I was four. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, like, one of my first, like, real memories is celebrating that with my, uh, sister and my parents. Like we went to the grade and stuff. And i like, really, I remember the games. I remember what you know, the games were on. Um, so I, that's where like my love for baseball. So mm-hmm. that was like always a thing. Like, I was playing little league and T-ball and stuff in the eighties. Um, but in the eighties, I was rocking Def Leppard and yes genesis like that tail end of the that weird era of genesis where like phil was becoming massive as a solo artist and then they were still doing things like <clears throat> land of confusion and they had that wild video for that
0: they played that video all the time i remember that one specifically
1: so that so and my dad was a huge genesis band. I mean, more of like the peter gabriel and like the progress stuff um he still likes the later stuff but it's just like not it's totally not the same yeah um, so genesis was always on so yeah so then i like gravitated towards that um but i used to like i've i played the crap out of hysteria um def leppard's hysteria like i listened to that so much when
0: i was a kid like 80s. such an iconic record yeah, I, th- like I think 80s. of def leppard often when i think of the 80s yeah
1: me too like that was a big thing um and then, yeah, that was really about it. Nintendo. I was really into Nintendo in the 80s. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, as most of us were. Real quick, not to cut you off, I got to show you something. Real fast.
1: Oh. Oh, so, I know. Earlier, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: My, my grandmother, she passed away about a year and a half ago. And this was in her basement. So this is the one thing that I kept.
1: Amazing.
0: Yeah. But it's yeah. got the whole, it's got the lineup and everything. 1985
1: i got that same one, but it's just, like, in way worse condition than that. <laughs> this same. one's a
0: surprisingly good condition.
1: Yeah, that was a really good condition. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, that was the 80s. The 80s for me was, like, baseball, Genesis, Def Leppard, uh, Saturday morning pro wrestling. Yeah. I watched the crap out of that. Um,
0: that was kind of the heyday. Late 80s, early 90s. Did you play that Nintendo game?
1: Which one? Pro Wrestling?
0: Yes. Yeah, the dude that oh, yeah.
1: like the face. Was yeah.
0: All yeah.
1: That was all over <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, you were in school in the 90s. But yeah. when, did you, when did you start playing drums? How old were you? Uh,
1: so I started playing drums in 95. Okay. Yeah, so I was 14... Um and I think it was I'm not really sure like really what it was. I think my parents were just like, you want to play a an new I was like, Yeah. Like, okay. Cause it's like my dad's a musician, they never really like forced us to do anything. They were always just ask, like I remember them asking when I was young, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to play? You know, and I was just like, yeah, I just want to play Little League. I wanna play T ball, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and then finally, it was like, well, do you want to play an instrument, and you know, it was like Phil Collins and Dave Grohl at that point. I was like, yeah, I want let, let me let me do that. So I went. They got me. I went to the observatory, UNKC, in '95 and started taking percussion lessons.
0: Okay, so you started with lessons, mm-hmm. listening yeah. to a lot of Nirvana and stuff.
1: Yeah, it was listening to that and pumpkins, um, a lot of pumpkins, a lot of Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, like stuff like that.
0: Iconic drummers, man.
1: Just like yeah, anyone like I just sort of gravitating toward all all that stuff. And then my dad would get you know Neil Peart and obviously Phil Collins and then John Bonham. Yeah, you know, so I knew about all those guys and listen and listened to them quite often. There was a lot. There was like a Genesis live record. There was Exit Stage Left, I think, which is a Rush, a live Rush record, which has got like a cool Neil Kurtz solo on it. So I would rip that and I would rip the Genesis, the, the Phil solo, and I would, I'd have to take, you know, I'd take them into to these, this class that I was taking, like a, like a percussion. Uh, so we'd always have to bring in stuff, so I would like rip, I'd rip the drum solos. When kids were bringing in like beats, like I remember this kid brought in Steve Miller's The Joker, and was like, oh, I really like the drum beat on that. And I was like, the fuck? Like, this, <laughs> like, what are we doing? And then they're like, okay, what do you have? And it was like, uh, Neil Kurtz drum solo to, I think it's YYZ. I can't remember which one it. its it. has been a while since so I listened to it. But yeah. And I remember the instructor was like, okay, we're gonna listen to this for eight minutes. So then, <laughs> yeah, and this kid, like they played half of the Joker. You know, Listen to eight minutes of you her know, soloing. So that was like that was like the kind of stuff I was into. Cool. But, then, but then it just became like Dave Grohl and John Bonham and then all the weird math rock
0: stuff after that. You know? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the Jokers be like, do do get do do get like what the hell? That's <laughs> I really like this beat
1: I'm, I'm so funny. When I became like real jaded at a young age, I was like this. <laughs> Why did I live with these kids? Like all like. So after that, I eventually got like private lessons and did that for like three or four years.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you how long you did. I did guitar lessons for about the same amount of time.
1: Yeah, I I I did private lessons between UMKC and the private lessons for like four years, I think, and then. This, like just started joining bands and then went back to this guy Gogo Ray. who's like a you know major drummer in Kansas City and he's known he's known all over the place. Like Ray's Ray's unbelievable.
0: But I yeah, getting, he's kind of a local legend, right?
1: Yeah, and um, yes, yeah, I studied with Ray for like a year in two thousand three and four, um, and then I was taking lessons up until the pandemic again. That was cool. Yeah, from this guy, Tom Strait, who's a incredible jazz drummer.
0: Red, that's right. Yeah, you were doing a lot of jazz drumming while yeah. you were home yeah. during COVID. I remember you telling me that. That's awesome. So, and and so as one does, generally you're going to get fairly proficient at your instrument and then you're going to ruin that by joining a band, right? Pretty much. <laughs> I started listening to Early Blink and like NoFX and I, all of my... Uh, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani licks just went out the window.
1: Well, we got, Kansas City was for drummers. I don't know if it was for guitar players and bass players, but it was really competitive, but competitive in a good way, where it was, maybe I was just young and innocent to where it was still fun. So there was all these great drummers that were older than me that were really like welcoming. So when I was like 18 or 19, and had gotten into a band that was playing clubs and and the bars and stuff. What but, band was that? Trulis, which was, um, there was this band called Reflector that mm-hmm. was around, uh, I don't know if you remember that band or not. I do, yeah. yeah. So Jared, when Reflector broke up, Jared started a new band and found me on like a forum. I had, I would like, I left, I graduated high school, was in the stupid high school band. Me and my buddy Evan were trying to start a band and we couldn't find anyone. So I just, like, went to an online forum. Like, remember when the forums used to, like, the replies were all, like, zigzag,
0: you know? Yeah, I do, actually.
1: Those forums were, like, so poorly, the scripts were, like, so poorly written. So I just went to this thing called The Zone um, in Kansas City and I just, like, put up, like, you know, here are my influences. And I think I put down, like, Sunny Day and Jimmy Eat World and stuff like that. And most stuff that Jared listened to and he just called me and was like, hey, I need a drummer. So then, like, guys like Jason Durkin from Shiner would, like, come to gigs and, like, say nice things. And were like, hey, you know, kind of were, like, yeah, we're really yeah. cool. But that was, like, so the confidence, comp- so there was, like, all this competition. Like, me and Nathan Richardson and Sam Hoskins and, uh, Drew Little, all these like great younger drummers, you know, and then there was like the, the Gherkins of the world. Yeah. And so we were all like trying to be as good as like someone like Gherkin. Yeah. So Nathan and Nathan was better than all of us. So, like Nathan, you know, it's like, okay, now we gotta be as good as Nathan, even though he's younger than we are. And then you know Sammy became really great and Drew became really great. And Drew was younger know, like, than all of us. Um so yeah. yeah so Drew the,
0: is younger. I think he's younger than I am. Yeah. Drew is uh, Drew's probably probably thirty-six now, thirty-five.
1: Yeah, so he would have been sixteen and I was twenty-four, so eight.
0: Now he's like 34, 35. Wow. Yeah, Still very young. So, Did yeah. you know Billy Brimblecom?
1: Yeah, yeah. Billy Billy and the creature comfort. So it was another one. Um and then you have, you know, of course like Ryan Coe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Billy Johnson, um, you know, a lot of all, talented
0: drummers. You're right.
1: Tons of talented drummers. You know, like um, yeah, I mean, Jason think, Shroud. Yeah, Shroud, of course. Shroud's incredible. Um, Mike Myers, who was playing the original drummer of Life and Times. Mm-hmm. Chris who became the drummer of Life and Times after Mike. Um, you know, everyone was just that yeah, like everyone was yeah. really, really good um so yeah so there was this like weird competition where it's like everyone was like okay i gotta like be not better like you just like i was always just trying to match like when sure. somebody got better i was like okay i just have to match that and i was never trying to be better than anyone but yeah like,
0: okay. well everybody was probably trying to level up to a certain extent always to yeah. be of that caliber right Yeah, I think I experienced that a little bit with bands in general, just in the early 2000s. I think we all made each other better. I mean, hopefully. We aspired to better things, I think, too. Just the idea of getting out of Kansas City. Yeah, it was
1: weird. In all all the bands that I was in, uh, and then I started playing for other people's bands. So it was like, at that point, I was just really worried about being a better drummer. I wasn't like, even in the bands that I was in we like, well, if you guys want to be better too, let's do it. But I wasn't ever like, I never really thought about the band being as good as some other bands, um, which mm-hmm. maybe sounds kind of selfish, but I just wanted to be better. And it's like, if I was going to get better then it would make everyone else better. Or if they didn't want to come along, it would just go do something else, you know? So I think yeah. that,
0: that, that, you know, is- You were treating I, it like a musician would, right? You were being yeah, I don't know. Like, a better musician. Yeah.
1: It's weird. I've thought about it. I mean, years later now, it's like kind of selfish, but I think I tried to drag some people with me. And some people didn't want to go. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird to look back on now and think of
0: it. Yeah, it's difficult to try to think of like what the motive was when you were a kid. I know for me, I was really excited by the prospect of just playing with people, being in a band, and then going on tour, getting on the road. Yeah. And I think we, we had discussions about trying to be better musicians, but uh, truth be told, that wasn't the main focus. I don't think because there are so many other elements that came in later, it was hard to juggle all of them. You know, I think sometimes maybe it is better for musicians to try to just be a better musician and then all the other things maybe fall into place or just by proxy of being a better musician, things are easier, but I feel like we were just playing shows so frequently yeah. that that was my practice. You know, I didn't practice like I did when I was a kid, where I'd literally spend hours trying to learn a Metallica solo.
1: We didn't have shit else to do, so you know that's all I did, which was just listen to music and play drums as a kid. And then there's people that still do that and they're very successful, and that's probably why. Yeah, um, like I remember we did a tour with Animals as Leaders years ago, and. I'm going to screw his last name of but Matt, the drummer,
0: mm-hmm. um, is. Unreal.
1: Insane. He's absolutely nuts. And he had kind of just joined the band. I think he had gone to Berkeley. He was this young kid. And this is 2011, maybe. Mm-hmm. And this dude, would they like, had a U Haul trailer that they rented. And this kid would set up in the trailer because he couldn't practice in the venue and play drums in this hot trailer for one or two hours. Wow. And then tear down, load into the venue, do the gig and like do it over again.
0: That's insane.
1: Or if he couldn't set up in the trailer, he would just bring in like multiple practice pads and just go somewhere in the corner and sit there, like maybe in the back of the theater or wherever and just sit there and like Do all these workouts and stuff? We're just like, we were just like, this dude is nuts. Like, dedication. Yeah, he's incredible. And now, like, you know, eleven years later, you look at him and you're like, makes sense. Awesome. Like, I see all these like clinics and stuff that he does, and um, he did a clinic in Kansas City a few years ago. Cool. Uh yeah, like we went back and forth and, and I ended up not being at home, but I wanted to go see it because I was like I was like fuck oh, dude, this is like
0: incredible. Like Yeah. What like, band were you out with when you guys thought, toured with them? Twice. Try uh, because I was working with Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot they went on the road with them. Yeah. That's true.
1: Riley like, and I were just like like
0: every night just
1: like you know? Yeah, Riley's just like I don't want to go to play <laughs> <laughs> It's so stupid. Like, why do I have to go out there after that?
0: Like, it's ballsy, you know. I love Thrice, one of my favorite bands. Yeah. You've worked. You've worked with them and toured with them quite a bit. But I really admire the fact that they would take a band out like that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, Thrice has always been like that. Like, oh, this band ripped. So they don't care. Like, you know. I but I also think that they're probably they're so confident in what they do, even though they t- they would tell you that they're not. Right, they're confident in what they do. That no matter who they play after, they're good. You know,
0: sure, and they're it. their own product. I feel like Thrice is a band playing by their own rules. They don't really necessarily need to be like, oh, are we as good as animals as leaders? I mean, it's just two completely different things.
1: Yeah. I think they see it as that, which is a lot of bands don't. There's a lot of bands that want to just take out shit because it makes them look
0: better. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah, I don't think that's never been thought of with Thrice. They're just like, oh, that band's awesome. Let's take a tour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Thrice right now. They just announced they're not going to be able to do the next three shows, I guess.
1: Yeah. I got some friends. I mean, obviously friends out there, but there's a there's a dude from Kansas city that's drum tucking for uh, Riley right now. So, okay. Yeah. He's, he's come out with Casper lottery a lot. Cool. Um, and done merch with us. His name's Kevin. Kevin was in RLs band maps for trial
0: oh cool awesome yeah yeah yeah. i know that is
1: Kevin Medina yeah he played drums um which is another drummer I didn't mention because Kevin's so young but um that was like the wave after us then Kevin was like Kevin was the wave where there was like only Kevin and like no no one else because it it was like 2010 at that point so we had all like my bands had all broken up and (laughs) Gherkin's band, like, Shiner had broken up, like, years prior. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so Kevin was, like, this second wave of drummers, or third wave, rather. And it was, like, just Kevin and one else. Kevin was like, on an island. It was it. Yeah, Kevin's a river. And he was just, like, on this island by himself. Like,
0: yeah. I remember playing a lot of shows with those guys, and uh, I always enjoyed watching him play. He's yeah. a lot of fun to watch. What was the name of the guy who was in Boy's Life? John.
1: Um, Johnny, it's not Johnny. I
0: forget his last name. I, he was a talented drummer too. Really good drummer. Yeah. Great
1: drummer group that we're in. Um, he lives, I think he lives in Oldwood Park. Maybe.
0: That doesn't surprise me. I feel like the singer of Boy's Life, he's still in KC. I think so. But yeah.
1: I think it's John. I apologize if I am incorrect. <laughs> it's all like good, man. I didn't mention, like, he was awesome. I always forget to mention Boys Life, because um, it seems like they had such, like, by the time I got, by the time I was in high school, it, it felt like it's the same with Cole S, but Cole S, I'm just closer to the, the people, obviously. In high school, it was, like, listening to those bands, and then those bands were, like, gone. Going, oh, yeah and you're like, oh, what you know we're like Came and went. yeah, and I didn't discover them until I was like you know fifteen fifteen, sixteen years old, so it was like they had all the material before, but then they just didn't have much of a lifespan after that, um,
0: yeah, really influential, yeah, for the short time that they were around. Oh, I just good. had a uh, Jim Septic on the show at the end of last year, and he was mentioning boys' life and how they were really influenced by them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think Casket Lottery was, well, for Nathan and Stacy. I think it was, it was like, you know, because I, they're just a little bit older than they are, or if, if they're the same age, they just start them well, I not don't, I don't even know That that time frame is so odd because Nathan was so young when he was in S and they started Casket Lottery, that it's all like crazy to me, like that some of these like great Casket Lottery songs, Nathan wrote when he was like 15,
0: which is insane,
1: which is insane to think about. Uh, so, it, you know, but I know that I know that they really like Boy's Life and I like Boy's Life too, but it was just, they're a couple years older than me. So like by the time I, like I said, by the time I found it, it was like a oh, Boy's Life is dark. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's the same thing with Kill Creek too. Like I yeah. Like, I really like Kill Creek, but I was like, oh, who is this band? You know? Uh, they're, they're kind of breaking up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. A lot of great talent, though, from Kansas City and Lawrence. Yeah. For sure. And then you played in local bands, and we were talking about gravitating beyond that, doing some other stuff. You had a short stint in Dead Poetic, which we've talked about. You toured with them in 2004. Is that right? Right after New Medicines came out?
1: Right after New Medicines came out. And the dr- Nathan Richardson, the original drummer of Castle Lottery, was doing that gig before me. So that's how I got. That's how I got the gig. I've been writing his pittails okay. since <laughs>
0: 1998. That's uh, okay, man. Smart.
1: Um, yeah, he get, he hooked me up with that gig in 04. So that was cool. That was a lot of fun. I still have fond memories of that tour. That was a good tour.
0: Yeah. Did you guys play Cornerstone or any of that stuff? Was it, it the summertime or? Um, it was. um.
1: It was like this two, two or three. I can't even remember how many shows. There's so many shows. I think I have a laminate, like I have this old laminate. somebody. Um There's so many freaking shows. I mean, it was just their headliner. Like they did. Nathan was with them when they did like a Papa Roach tour. <laughs> this, so that record came out in the spring of 04, I think. Yeah. Nathan did like that initial release. They did this Papa Roach tour, and then the summer of '04 he. He was like, you should go do this gig. I was like, okay.
0: Cool. They were kind of popping off around that time. I remember Game Time, our last tour, I was listening to that record a lot. I thought sonically it just sounded huge. Yeah. For an independent label.
1: It was the, there were like some okay shows, but a lot of the shows were just like so jam packed. Um, It was like, and I never really played shows like that. Like my shows consisted of like a hundred people, maybe at the hurricane. Yeah did like a you got a good weekend spot and you maybe got 200 people there okay or you get 75 at the brick which feels like a thousand people you know like yeah um but to do shows with like 800 people there or 400 people 500 people um was like pretty awesome the first show we played i think was cincinnati and it was like 150 people there okay and uh i was like okay this is gonna be fine you know, whatever. And then we got to maybe like Syracuse or something. I don't even know, like somewhere in New York. And there was like 600 people there. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I I see what this is. It it was like such a blur too. I think back on like the Ventura show was amazing. Uh, I have really good memories, vivid memories of that. Like kids jumping from like the balcony and like Brandon jumping off the stage and stuff um but then there's like the whole tour was just kind of like a blur because i was like 23 i think yeah i was 23 yeah. and just like i was like i don't know what the hell is going on but these shows are cool and badass and the kids are like were like absolutely insane mm-hmm. every single show so it was like just like a blur like i never remember one time walking on stage <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember one time like going on stage. I just remember like all these like bits and pieces of each show. And it was just like a huge
0: rush. Does it feel like you're looking outside yourself? Almost like you're watching it as a, a movie or something
1: mm, like now.
0: Yeah. Or does it just feel like bits and pieces that you kind of have these interspersed memories of and things like that.
1: I'm not one to like, I, I, I don't think about the past. Like I don't take a lot of photos I don't I think I'm bad about living in the moment like I'm real bad about that because I'm always like what's next like what can we do next kind of thing like sure. you know I, I'm like that with music like <clears throat> you know when we did the last Cask record Nathan was like Nathan, and I want to play the songs live too but Nathan's just like I want to get on play this whole record I'm like awesome let's play the whole record but then I'm also like we should just start the new record too. It's like, okay, we already did this record. it's like, yeah, but nobody's heard it. I'm like, yeah, but I'm already like thinking
0: onto the next one,
1: onto the next one. So that screws me up a little bit because I'm not, uh, because a lot of times I haven't been able to like live in that moment, you know, of like where Nathan's really good about that. Like he's going to live in a moment of playing all those new songs. And I'm either like thinking about the future or like way in the past. Like, you Know, like yeah. 10 years from now, it'll be like, oh, we should play all the entire short songs for end Times. That would be awesome. And going will be like, no, we've already <laughs> record's 10 years old. We'll be like, yeah, but we should play all those songs. It's really cool.
0: It's uh, interesting to think of it in terms of being in a band, like soaking up <laughs> the present moment, you know? Because there's so many bands out there that I think it's almost like because of scheduling, they have to be thinking about the next thing always. Right. It's right. write a record, record the record. Do promotion for the record, press for the record, tour the record, and then as soon as we're done with the tour, you gotta start demoing material for the next one, right?
1: Record you gotta prepare for the next tour. And even like production and tour managing, it's like um you get into like kind of like an autopilot, like it's rare. Like there's certain days that like we just did a show in LA at the forum that was like really busy because it's LA show and like you know everyone wants tickets the bands are nervous they wanted the shows to be great and we and the show the show was awesome the show was great but there's so many moving pieces that it was like the first time in weeks that I wasn't glued to my laptop glued to my phone like taking like responding to emails or advancing other shows or preparing for like the future you know Mm -hmm. it was was like that day was just like okay you have to focus on this show this show has to be great it's like so I remember that show like really well I don't remember the show after it I kind of remember the show before it Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: but because I was just doing so many other things like preparing for the LA show preparing for the San Diego show so like when I get there to do those gigs it's like I'm always like thinking about something else, even like by the time I get up to do what everyone is there to do, either play a show or work the show. Um, yeah, just like I'm always
0: thinking of the next thing. What's next. So I
1: have a hard time like being
0: kind of in the moment. mm -hmm. It's almost out of necessity though. I think tour managing that may be a skill set that you have, you know, that not everybody has able to, be thinking 10 steps ahead because it's it's a bit of a chess match, right? I'm sure there's a lot of moving pieces.
1: Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like the moving pieces today is like yesterday was like, Hey, there's a bus bus issue. And within 30 minutes, it was like, okay, the the band is no longer on the bus. They're flying to Atlanta. We have ground transport from the venue to a hotel. Okay. We're extended the hotel. We have all their flights. They're gonna to fly to Atlanta at this time. The crew's gonna like make it. We made it to Atlanta, but it was kind of sketchy with this train, like this the, the issue we were having with the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, so all within 24 hours, it's been like, okay, the bus has to go here. We have to get all these flights to the next two shows, ground transportation, we have to get the hotels. Okay, what are we doing with the bus? So it's like not even thinking about this gig. It's like, how do you move 12 people in the next four days? You know, like that's it's all
0: the logistics.
1: Yeah, all the logistics of it. So it's like, it's hard to, you know, to do anything like in the moment, you know, yeah. like because it's just like, okay, well, what about, you know, today's Saturday? What about Sunday? What about Monday? What about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? And then like, seriously, by the time we get done with this, I'm going to look at it and i will be like, it's going to be 10 o'clock and we'd be exhausted. And yeah. Where did the, I have no idea where the day went.
0: <laughs> where did the yeah,
1: I'm so worried about tomorrow. So. That's where all this gray hair comes from.
0: <laughs> You're rocking it, dude. Rocking it, Rockin it. What's the main? I mean, I, I would imagine there's a few differences between teching for a band, and it's more hyper specific. I would imagine than tour managing, because it sounds like tour managing. It's sort of all encompassing. You're managing a lot of pieces and a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of just. Everyone has a question. You have to answer the question. Or everyone needs something. Like, teching is just. I miss it in the sense of like you just have that like you said it's hyper focus like it's that one thing. I have my duties and that's it. Like, I just have to make sure that this dude has what he needs to do a show, and then I'm gonna take care of the afterwards like his stuff, and then that's it. I don't mm. have to. T- bus driver, I don't have to talk to a truck driver, I don't have to talk to the venue, I don't have to, you know, like, I have nowhere to be other than the next show, which somebody has already arranged for me to get there.
0: Right.
1: And it's like, I don't have to do any of the accounting, the labor, like, it's just... Yeah, so, like, I miss it on that that part. Of it. Like, it's funny, sure. we, uh, the text on certain tours, well, like, like, one of my Really close friends. Brian Southall is the production manager for Tears for Fears, so it's been good to be out with him and like working. Uh, oh, I
0: didn't realize he was working for them. That's that's and, awesome.
1: Yeah, so we've been working side by side, and um, but it's so funny because like the back his backline guys don't have to be in until like eleven or twelve. Wow! Like the you know you got to get the you got to get lighting and audio. Out. They're carrying the PA and all this stuff, so it's like backline. You just don't need those guys there. So it's just funny to see, like, when you've been up for like four, you've been up for five hours and you've been working for four and a half, and you see like backbone guys like sh- like just roll in. And it's now. like the
0: singer of a band.
1: Yeah, like they roll in at are <laughs> so Like, oh, can I get to my stuff yet? And you're just like, like, that's the that's the that's the life.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, Brian and you, you're probably there as early as anybody else that gets there, right?
1: much as Brian so like Brian runs so I mean it's Brian's a headliner so Brian goes in at 80 and I, I don't come into eleven.
0: okay cool all right but I
1: have all this other stuff that I do for other bands that I'm working with right now so I just take I, I take that morning like those th- three or four hours to thing I'm going to get up to just do like all the other logistics logistics I have to do for other bands um and then I start on garbage at like eleven. That goes until
0: ten, basically. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. And then Brian, you start. Brian's
1: working like eight to
0: one thirty, though, which is wow. Eight AM to one thirty AM. So, yeah, it's wild. That's crazy. That's laborious, I'm sure. And it's probably a situation where he thinks, okay, this is going to be a bit of a marathon for a month and a half, and then we'll take a little br- breather and a little break and then on to the next thing, right? He spent many years working for All Time Low. I feel like I was always seeing him on there.
1: Oh yeah, media. All Time Low forever. Um, I'm gonna send a text real quick.
0: Yeah, go for it, dude. This is part of it. I was gonna say, this is part of it.
1: Yeah. Don't edit this out, I wanna all, let everyone hear. <laughs>
0: um, I like to leave as many pauses in the shows as possible. This is, this is when, when I, I test was, the audience.
1: This is when I look down and I'm like, I don't even know how long we've been talking, like 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, about 45.
1: And it's like 24 text messages and eight emails during that time.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So,
0: so fun, man. Don't you just love texting? I
1: just
2: love, love it. <laughs>
0: love it. I do online coaching, so, I, you know, texting is like part of the gig. But there's definitely some days where I'm like, I'm not going to text a single person today. It never quite works, but... Yeah.
1: <clears throat> um, no Southall was Southall's been with All Time Love for a while he does kind of the same thing I do with other groups like he'll he'll work with them remotely which is what, I'm, which is what I've what i been doing this year too so um, so he's still oh working, working
0: with bands remotely. remotely that's cool
1: yeah so that's kind of like this post-COVID world of limited crew and yeah uh, stuff like that so yeah so he's still doing some stuff remotely with them
0: okay that's yeah. cool they just put out a killer cover uh i mean it's produced as all get out but i like it it's the the weekend song
1: yeah i guess ryan told me they had like a, um i know the band but i don't know the band like i don't know the band like their music really much at all um they said that they did like a single during the pandemic that was really big evidently and he was like it sucked because it was like their biggest song ever and they couldn't really do shit with it so it's like
0: yeah yeah they put out a record in 2020 literally right after everything went down and it ultimately had the biggest hit of their career which is kind of ironic and interesting but i don't know it seemed to work out for them because i feel like there were still bands releasing music and a lot of people were m- listening to music and it was music was a recourse for people during the pandemic so i know it was for me i'm sure it was for a lot of other people yeah i don't
1: know i've long 2020 obviously uh
0: <laughs> forever I know
1: we started training together uh, yeah and then I played softball and that was about it that was my that was my 2020 yeah softball training uh, and hanging out yeah but like people wouldn't hang out though some people would hang out like, I had a group of friends that would hang out um RL included but we won't tell anyone that we hung out yeah. <laughs> April of 2020, um, we were were icing. I think in
0: some ways, people are still yearning to hang out with other people.
1: I can't remember. RL got a hot tub around that time.
0: That's right. Yeah, Yeah. he did.
1: Maybe the summer of 2020. I can't remember what it was. I think
0: it was. I think it was the summer of 2020 because we were training at the same time. And he had mentioned that he was putting in a hot tub. He
1: was like, I'm going to get a hot tub. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to be over here tonight. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and you yeah. were i feel like you guys hung out a lot, we a lot. Um, he was very he was excited to have you in town because you know you've, you've been on tour for so long yeah. he would mention the fact that it's just been kind of nice having him around more often
1: yeah it's been 17 years since i like slowed down so
0: it like crazy kinda, right
1: yeah it was like kind of nice yeah. to have that but you know i don't know it was it was, it was definitely kind of i mean it was great it was great not like waking up and like literally having no responsibilities yeah (laughs) you know i felt retired i was like i could live this retired life this is cool so
0: yeah you just learn to fill the hours i think that's what we do as human beings you know i could retire but i would still work i'd still do something just like i would imagine you would do something too
1: yeah i would i would try to find like a like a cover band or something. Like yeah, to play like a, get good enough at jazz to go play at a jazz club or something. Like that. Um, yeah,
0: you mentioned it then. Yeah, Lady Lounge.
1: Yeah,
0: oh, I think yeah. you should still do it, dude. Yeah,
1: I would if I was if I could get good enough at jazz.
0: Yeah, that would be like
1: I would probably two or less and just do like, oh just give me a gig like four days a week.
0: Yeah. And have so, you? This is kind of a random question, but have you ever considered, or not considered, but have you ever asked Brian or discussed with Brian the prospect of making music? Because he's a really talented musician. I mean, the first time I saw him, he was with the receiving end of Sirens, and they well, blew me away with their live show.
1: We, we had a band in 2010, I think. We were just talking about this. It was me, Brian Southall, um, Eddie Breckenridge from Thrice. And Nathan Ellis from Casket Laundry.
0: Wow. He's got kind of a dream team, dude.
1: Yeah, we recorded s- six demos. And I think one or two of them had vocals. So basically, like, Brian had two songs, Eddie had two songs, and Nathan had two songs. And um, each, each song sounded like that dude. Mm-hmm. So, like, Brian's were like, Dark and riffy, and I think like in drop D, you know, um, lots of like well thought out parts. Eddie's was like these like insane bass riffs that are in like a weird time signature that were like really cool. It was so cool that everyone was like, I don't know, like not doing anything as cool as that bass riff. So, um, and then Nathan's were like, nathan's like
0: yeah very nathan
1: yeah he's very like technical but with this pop sensibility i don't know if that's the right word um i don't know if i've ever used that word to be honest with you, he
0: does have a bit of a pop sensibility Uh, even with these really interesting guitar riffs
1: he writes these like riffs that they make sense but like i've never heard anyone else write like that but then they have all this melody underneath it where you're just like so he's playing these, like, open chords, but they're, like, dark, but they're also still kind of, like, popping and they have all this, this melody. So, and then it goes into, like, this really kind of dark place, like the snap of a finger, you know? Yeah. That's what's really cool about Nathan's writing. is like, it's dark and kind of poppy, and then it's, like, dark and, like, real heavy, like that, you know? And then he always finds a way to come out of it and, like, go back into which um, yeah. like, an So that was, like, his two songs. And, yeah, every week we got together for like a week, I think. Um, Nathan or Brian spilled wine all over Brad Schmidt's couch, and that was the uh, end of the band.
0: <laughs> that was the end of it?
1: That was the end of it, yeah. whole Brad Schmidt, lot
0: of- another uh, local musician. We used to play with National Fire Theater all the time.
1: Local
0: legend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I uh, – I... was he in – was he in uh, Sunshine Vandals? He was, wasn't he?
1: No, nah, he. I think he might have joined when Sunshine Vandals were still Sunshine Vandals, but
0: yeah, but they were turning into National Fire Theory.
1: Because I remember we we would be hanging out, and he it was like when you would go to a friend's house and you would get online. It's like, hey, can I jump on your? Can I log into my AOL? And he's like, oh, I'm talking to Tim from the Sunshine Vandals, and they were like trying to find. A, like, a new name. And I remember, like, for some reason, I, I remember this well. We're, like, in a basement somewhere. And we're, like, hey, like, we want to, like, go somewhere and do something stupid. And Brad's, like, hold oh, we're trying to work on a name. And we're all, like, we don't care. <laughs> so National Fire Theory was one of the uh,
0: was one of the options, I remember. Really? Did he come up with it? Uh,
1: no, I, I don't know who came up with it. It was, like, National Fire Theory Mayday was another one. And okay. I can't remember what the other one was but um, yeah that's a random it's a very random memory that no one cares about but
0: uh, i care about it mm-hmm. that's it that's all I, it, that's what this podcast is for is just for yeah. me
1: it, <laughs> but yeah that's was, that was wild national fire theory was awesome
0: that's they really great. were they were completely underrated game time played a show with national fire theory and our guitar player kyle borrowed brad's guitar i believe and was not super nice to it. <laughs> that would have been hated us from that point on, which is totally fair.
1: That would have been John or Tim. It was probably John's. Tim would never, let, Tim wouldn't let Kyle borrow his Gibson.
0: I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, not, not even close, but I do remember uh, I really enjoyed that band. I like that band because we'll I like the Sunshine Vandals too, but they were clearly going in a more mature direction. It was very Foo Fighters rock, but yeah. I like think yeah. the first show I ever saw at G Coffee was Sunshine Vandals. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was them in Ruska Bank.
1: Ruska Bank. Yeah, I have not heard that name in like twenty years. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> that was where I really discovered a lot of local music. I was G Coffee. G Coffee. Yeah, I was. I was so young I couldn't even drive. I had friends that would drive us, or our parents would take us and we'd go see local bands and that's where I met Rob Lofton from Diversion and Ryan Bai. They played a show together at G Coffee. Met Ryan Johnson.
1: Uh, Was that the old G Coffee in Olathe?
0: Yeah. Off Santa Fe? Yeah. 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 Yeah, That was the one I used to go to. I I saw
1: Sunshine Angels there in 96 I think. Wow. yeah
0: nuclear family too that was another local pop punk band um yeah i loved going there it was just that was so cool that was where i met a lot of really cool people and friends from lots of different parts of kansas city and and then i met kyle coomer and gabe and nick pick and all those guys and then it was like all these worlds combining all these satellite people that knew each other
1: And, and now, and now look at us.
0: Yeah. All thriving. Every one of us. (laughs) We
1: finally made something of ourselves. (laughs) Finally. Not on stage, but.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's cool though, because I mean, it's pretty unbelievable what you've been able to accomplish. I can't even imagine all the places that that you've been to. And we've talked about a lot of them, but you've been overseas several times I mean you've seen a lot of things you've seen a lot of the world that just it gives you a unique perspective that not a lot of people are going to have even people who played in bands i mean there's so many yeah. musicians out there that never got to tour and never got to travel yeah
1: it's been uh, i've been very lucky to go to places that i've gone and work with the people that i've worked with and um i think one of these days i'll stop to think about it but um I don't I I don't often it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Um I was thinking the other day, I was like, oh, I should really write down the number of countries I've been to. You know? Yeah. You know, absolutely. Because like, I was kind of curious about it, but then I was like, eh, don't waste your
0: time. <laughs> 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 was that like, goes against the ethos of like thinking about what's next, right?
1: Exactly.
0: I'm like collecting oh, all the cool. things from the past.
1: I'm like I don't have time for that um so it's yeah it's it's weird because even when it seems like I'm not doing anything I've noticed over the years it's like I'm always like watching or reading something like trying to like learn about something um I don't know it's it's it's, I think it's a good habit to have but a bad habit like like I'll watch YouTube all the time because I want to know about a car or how something works or there are those times where it's like I'm just going to like watch program highlights from like 1994 you know, but even then I'm still just kind of like, I feel like trying to find something that I can use or rip off, you know. Sure. Um, So yeah, so that's part of like I guess the whole even though maybe I'm enjoying that thing in the moment, I'm still like thinking about, well, how can I, how can I use that in the future? Or what am I learning here that I can use down the road? You know?
0: So we, yeah, for sure. It just keeps, it keeps that zest for life. I think, you know, just being inspired by things. I, I don't, I get a little, some, I get sometimes a little, uh, peeved with people who are, are, uh, just kind of shitting on everything all the time. Um, in, in the sense that like there, there are no more things that light them up mm. and make them excited about stuff. You know, yeah. and I've, I've had seasons of my life where I've ventured into that territory and I'm usually not very happy when that's the case.
2: Mm.
0: But I mean, I think in the context of you, you're talking about, you know, I want to be inspired by something. I might take a nugget from the past, but it's, towards something in the future right because you guys the casket lottery you guys just recorded some songs right some new tunes
1: we, we, i maybe we might have four maybe six drum picks that i did before i left i can't remember it, but um yeah we're like slowly trying to um put something together i don't know i don't know what it is but cool the songs are cool, so we're trying to, you know, we're trying to figure out something with it. But that was like a rush to kind of get those down before I left. Yeah, I like, let's do this because I'm going to leave, and then you guys can do, you know, all the other stuff for a couple of months. But um,
0: maybe an EP uh, or some singles.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because, like, I know Jimmy World—they just put out a single, and they're putting out singles for a while. Um, so i'm interested to see how that goes for them we are by no means anywhere close to jimmy world but i i like the idea of like not grilling over a 10 or 12 song record yeah i like the casual just like oh we got a couple of songs let's record them and put them out we got a couple more songs that we like let's record them and put them out you know?
0: same i like that because it lends to the idea that you're inspired you can just go in and do it yeah. you know you're not, you're not trying to finalize a few songs that may not quite be there?
1: Right. I think what probably helped me, in a sense, like maybe get... Um, I don't know. I, I, I get, I think maybe overwhelmed when it's like, you got to go out and play, hey, let's go play this record. And I'm like, okay, well, how do we choose from 10 songs? Like Nobody wants to hear 10 random songs. Right. So, but that's part of the... the thing with me like not wanting to deal with that part of it because like there's this oh there's already this like group of new songs from the last casket record that we play and there's like two that we don't play which are the ones that i want to play but they're also like they don't they wouldn't sound great live probably so it's like that kind of so then i get like annoyed with that i'm like well why did we record songs
0: but then I like translate live which songs
1: um unalone which has the bill buford lindrum
0: that ed did on the record yeah I love that song
1: um and um feel nothing which is yes that was the song I was thinking yeah um which is cool but I think that it's like on the record it, it does well there's a lot of production with it too. Like it's chopped up kind of like Ed did a bunch of like really cool shit on that song. So I think
0: Yeah, there's some cool production on yeah, that. Yeah,
1: like and so Nate I think Nathan has a good point like that. Like, well, it just doesn't translate really good live. And it's like true. But then it's like then you have to become like a computer band and we're never be a computer band it's like we're running tracks and stuff like that. Sure. You know, I don't wanna do that. So I don't want to like, you know, start putting weird noises and stuff. Through. Yeah,
0: you don't want to. You don't want to have a laptop next to
1: you. You playing? I do that. wrong <laughs> with that? I mean, everyone's got a laptop now. But that was one of the things. That was one of the innocents about working with the for so long. It was like, never a track, never a laptop anywhere. Um, just dudes, just plug and play. And that's it. Yeah. Um,
0: that's how I grew up doing it. You know, yeah. I still do it that way.
1: But then there's this like incredible um, experience of like everything to a grid and it sounds pristine, you know, like everything's perfect. Like listening to, you know, like Garbage who Garbage has, it's very like, they're like this lect- electronic band that's not electronic, you know? Um, yeah. If that makes any sense.
0: They're like a grunge band with electronic elements.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's two guitars, there's, you know, keyboards, going. there's a bass player, there's drums, even though Butch, Butch is playing them all, all, on all electronic kit. Right? Mm. But, um, you know, there's like enough tracks going that it's just enough to like fill this this like gap that would be there, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's so that's the thing like with casco Audio, like we had some tracks here really, would fill that gap, we're just never gonna do that. But garbage has that like they've figured it out like oh, okay if we run these samples, which a lot of them is just like samples. So which just fills like the space like it's a sample Damn. from an old song that they took or it's a it's a weird drum sample with that glitch found You know, it's the drum, it's the clash sample over Stupid Girl, you know?
0: Like, That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's the, it's that, it's like that drum.
0: It's, it's like it. a production element.
1: Yes, and like, it feels like, it does and with the bass line of that song, because there's like, no guitars going into the verse you know, until the second, until that second, or until the pre-chorus. So it's like, there's little things that they fill in where it's like, perfect, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it works for them, and like you said, they've been doing it for decades at this point. On, but
1: like, yeah, so it's like we can't play those songs, you know? And they have yeah. like, uh, they don't translate. And so like, okay. but I they, think in a
0: lot of ways, you know, garbage kind of pioneered that. What you see so much, but yeah, with with in terms of the casket lottery, or if you if you think of rock bands that haven't done it for decades, that would maybe change the dynamic of your live sound.
1: Yeah, like there's just no need. I think we maybe kind of talked about it, you know, but then we're always just like, hmm, no, we're not going to that, you know?
3: Yeah. Like,
1: and we'll probably do it like in Search and Seizure, we'll probably do it. I think there's like keyboard stuff that we would add to. Like, Gene and yeah. I like, oh, we did this keyboard stuff. It's like, well, yeah, so now I are just doing, like, well, with that band, I can just rip off what Billy does and Butch do and garbage. Yeah. And say, oh, well, this is how Billy and Butch do it. You know, so that's-
0: For sure. Yeah. yeah. And we, do. we haven't even mentioned In Search of Seizure. I was listening to the record. The record's really great, man. It sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, that was fun. We wrote that during the pandemic. We recorded it early 2021 and sent it to Vince Ratty, who's an awesome mixing engineer. Yeah. Um, uh, Vince lives in Austin, and Vince did a killer job mixing it. Um, so he
0: mixed the record, okay.
1: Yeah, Vince did.
0: He um, did a great job.
1: Yeah, Vince yeah. is a killer engineer. Um, he and Gene have a type of friendship, so that's where that, that came from. Um, so we tried to mix it. it wasn't happening at all. It just sounded like... We got great sounds. Like, the sounds are really cool. I mean, we tried to mix it, it was just like... It had no balls, and it was just... Like, everyone was kind of, like, burned out anyway. They could listen to everything too too much. so
0: Too close to it?
1: Yeah, too close to it. But all the keyboard stuff and, like, other production stuff that Gene and I put on it, we were like, oh, we should just run all these live. If we ever play a show, who
0: knows? Yeah.
1: It's like, do local shows still happen?
0: <laughs> they do, for the most part. You'll have to let me know. If you're yeah. in town, you guys play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, that's I, I like the idea of, like, going down that road a little bit. Like doing some, you know, filling in some production stuff. Um,
0: Within search of seizure, because it's a three piece, right?
1: Yeah, it's just a three piece too. So it's like, well, we definitely need like that other that other element. Um,
0: yeah. You know but, that other uh, instrument in there.
1: Yeah, just something in there. You know, kind of like fill. There's a bunch of like keyboard pads and stuff that we put on the record, which like, if you ever listen to it again, you might be able to hear like a lot of it. Like, Low sense stuff that's going on and
3: yeah think,
1: and vince mixed it all really well so i think if you took that away um
0: it, it might would, be missing something yeah it would
1: be like missing a lot if i gave you the record without that the keyboard stuff, and you know you would be like oh there's a giant gap there you know so
0: yeah for sure that's cool man what's the record called again
1: <laughs> uh, i can look it up it's a great question I should know this. Um, look it up. Nothing natural.
0: That's, That's it. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah. good, man. Yeah. You're a busy man. You get, you're, you're juggling a lot. So it, it totally makes sense. It's all yeah. good. Well, dude, I want to be respectful of your time. You're a busy man. Thanks for doing this, dude. Yeah, it's great dude. to see you.
1: I tend to ramble. So if there's ways to edit out, anything that I'm saying there, feel free to do it. Chop it down. Yeah.
0: I actually didn't think you rambled at all. I thought it was great. Sure. I mean, I think it's, it's fascinating. We've talked so much about the, the dynamic of, of working for bands and touring with bands and things like that. But I, I learned a lot just in listening to you talk about it yeah. and it gives a good overview. I think there's a lot of people out there too. They really, they really appreciate and like hearing about the behind the scenes stuff, especially with production for live shows it's just cool, you know, because these are the things we don't really think about. We tend to take it for granted. We buy a ticket and we show up to the venue and we watch this amazing performance be laid out before us, before our very eyes and ears. And we don't really often think about like all of the, the moving pieces and the, the necessary crew to make it happen.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's, it's a, uh, it's, there's so many moving parts at times that it's, it's, it can be overwhelming for some people, you know, Brian Southall is a, uh, They've, they've had their own, you know, issues on this tour with just technical stuff, you know, like not nothing major, but just stuff that's out of everyone's hands. And like, dude is like a rock, you know, and same thing with Don, who's Alanis' production manager, like same issues last year, like going into COVID, like coming out of COVID and doing this massive tour, and Don was just like, yeah. it was, you know, like nothing facing. And it's like, you have to have those people, otherwise it's just, it's... Atlantis can't show up at 9 o'clock and go on stage at 9.15, you know? Um, right. You know, if you don't have someone there that's just like all of the bullshit that's coming in left and right, just like batting the hallway.
0: Yeah, you got to just... stay calm and collected. Yeah, yeah so you...
1: for those people to be like, okay, like if you can do it. I can do it. You know? so,
0: yeah, yeah. Not everybody has that innate ability. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I'd just be crumbling left and right. I'd just be... I've been around the people that crumble,
1: and it's like it, it's it's one of the the saddest slash interesting things to be on like a large tour where someone in charge doing production or tour management just like crumbles because yeah I'm the,
0: sure
1: it's it's wild. We've seen it happen more times than not recently. It's like whoa, like yeah. Story.
0: That's where human psychology really comes out.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like damn. Yeah. Crazy. that's uh those
0: are different stories for today, so. yeah for sure we'll, well maybe we'll do this again someday when you're back in town we'll do it in person yeah but dude it uh have safe travels man Thank
1: you, brother um yeah train again sooner than later
0: yes yeah. absolutely for yeah. sure yeah. Well, when are you back in town august 6th august 6th that's right you mentioned that okay cool so that's coming up i mean so you got a month and a half. Yeah. Couple months.
1: Yeah, so I'll be in touch. I got some stuff this fall with Jimmy at World and
0: I'll very be cool,
1: dipping in and out of town. And
0: yeah, and they just announced they're coming to KC. They're gonna play the Uptown.
1: in September. So yeah, so come on out. Yeah, come to the gig. Let me know. Hit me up.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll do. Well, have are you are you off tonight or do you have a gig?
1: Um I'm off tonight. I'm okay. gonna go. I'm actually gonna go work out right now and then come cool. back later and keep working. So.
0: Rad man, yeah. I, I'm glad you're still working out. Where are you working out? Just, I just, I
1: just go to the gyms at the hotels.
0: Cool. How have they been so far?
1: It's like every other one there's a gym. So yeah, hit
0: or miss. Yeah,
1: so it's like I'll try to run a couple of miles, feel awful because <laughs> all like running sucks so much for me. I hate it. Um, but today there's like a nice gym. so I'm like, okay, I can actually go and like
0: feel get better. a lift in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, feel productive about
0: something. That's great, man. You got to get that serotonin, those those dopamine hits, right?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's for. Sh- I have a couple of clients, and they're always tra- they're traveling for work and stuff, and it's the same thing. It's very hit or miss in terms of hotel gyms.
1: Like, and for this, that requirement's very low on our hotel priority list. So,
0: uh
1: I much say in it. So, you
0: know, does does do any of the garbage? Uh I'm sure they're they, they've got their exercise of choice, right?
1: Yeah, like Cheryl's great about maintaining on tour. Like the the schedule just doesn't allow it. That's the problem. Like a lot of like a lot of the guys that good about like you know, especially like someone like Duke, like Duke will walk for hours. Like Duke will just like pop up in the morning and just go three, four or five miles.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: You know, like won't phase it, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then
1: Cheryl's schedule is just like intense. So she's like, she's great about maintaining her diet. Like that's her like her thing. She's okay. She's like
0: also very tough to do on the road, right? I mean, schedule makes it difficult and just.
1: She's yeah. She's really she's really good about it. And she's like really strict and uh, so. And then she will not do that. That woman is like. I'd be curious to see how many steps she gets in during an hour set because she was just like. She's a whole yeah. stage back and forth, you know. So like she's she's getting a pretty massive workout in.
0: Yeah, just that alone requires the stamina and the aerobic capacity.
1: Exactly. And yesterday was like so hot and shitty in Florida. It was like everyone after an hour was just like,
0: you know <laughs> beat. Yeah, it's humid as hell down there right now.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so that's where working So they so they so they get enough in, but for me it's like I'm usually like sitting at a desk or
0: you
1: know sometimes you know get out on the stage and do some stuff but you know i just gotta i just gotta run That's yeah fun. dude i hate it but
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's i have a love-hate relationship with a lot of the aerobic yeah. capacity stuff Maybe so you, i feel you there
1: made me feel well, bad man. yeah because you were like you told me you, you hated running so i was like all right i don't feel so bad about it so. I,
0: i'm trying to get into a position where like i don't completely hate it so I do it enough times throughout the week where, and, and when I say running, I mean, jogging, you yeah. know, at a very leisurely pace, <laughs> it's more just so that I can maintain some sort of aerobic capacity long wise, you know, cause I'll walk, we walk all the time, especially now we've got a dog. So our dog w- jumps at the bit to walk any chance. So we're doing three or four walks a day, but if I can get to a place where running kind of sucks, but it doesn't totally suck. That's that's where I'm trying to get to.
1: I'd like to be there. That's, maybe I'll get there.
0: I'm not there yet. We're probably
1: not going to get there, <laughs> I just, I, I walk and then I sprint and I walk and I sprint. So like, that's why it sucks.
0: Yeah. The The intervals can be really effective though. I mean, just in, in the nature of being able to do it and it's just good to kind of like jolt your heart rate up for a mm-hmm. second and then the nature of it coming back down. Yeah, so that, yeah
1: that's what I try to do. Um, and then like 20 minutes into it, I'm just exhausted, it sucks, you know, but Yeah, we'll see. I'll gonna
0: um, list cool, man. There, man. Well, awesome, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your day off. Yeah, man. And I'll yeah. let you know when this goes out, I usually do these like bi-weekly these days. I was doing them weekly and that just became a bit too much for me, just with the, uh, the crazy chaotic nature of life. But. Yeah, I'll let you know when this goes out and if you want to promote it you can, but Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. So uh yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier. Safe travels. Bye. Hopefully it's not too crazy and uh hopefully the flights are nice and calm.
1: I hope so too. <laughs> All right, man. No, talk soon. Good to see yep.
0: you, Yeah, you too, buddy. All right, see ya. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be incredible. I'd really appreciate it. Wherever you listen to podcasts, another thing you could do would be to share this podcast with a friend, anyone who enjoys this type of music or personal development in general. All right. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Hopefully you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. Take care and I'll talk to you later.
3: Yeah. So close your eyes